Hello and welcome to episode one of the Interior Design Podcast. We're here. We're here. We're here. <laughs> um, Cheryl and I are going to do, we're not going to do a catch up for the week this week because we have been working on this episode for quite a few weeks um but what we are going to do is we're going to have a little chat about the psychology of color which is this week's subject yes so i think it was really interesting so a few weeks ago obviously we um we caught up with um karen and um she had you know some really interesting points um on the psychology of color which we'll share with you yeah um, after this we just wanted to try and kind of summarize our thoughts i guess on psychology of colour and how you can use that you know how you use that in design I suppose what does what is the psychology of colour is is probably a a good question to answer initially it's the study of hues as a determination of human behaviour colour influences perceptions that are not obvious as a state such as the taste of food colours have qualities that cause certain emotions in people how colour influences individuals may differ depending on age gender and culture Although colour associations can vary contextually between cultures, colour preference is thought to be relatively uniform across gender and race. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a very really sort of short summary of what it means. Um, but it's just such a huge subject, hasn't it's it? It's massive. And I think that's something that came out from the conversation. You know, the the we had what we were talking to Karen for a couple of hours and we you know, we, we touched on it, but I don't think it it's so vast, isn't it? It's, it's so vast. And, you know, we've just spoken about whether we discuss, you know, certain colours and how you can use them in, in design. But I think the point I was making, Hayley, was that it almost is quite contradictory of what the psychology of colour is about. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at greens, for example, and saying, right, well, so this week we're going to talk about greens and how you can use greens in design. This is actually about saying the psychology of colour isn't about selecting a colour based on what you like or don't like it's about trying to understand the space what you want that space to create how you want to create that space what it's what 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 the use of it is how you want it to make you feel and then reflecting this has all come from obviously the conversation that we have with Corin about how you then you really have to delve into your own feelings and thoughts on you know what makes me feel calm what makes me feel um, alive what you know what what is it that that you're trying to create in that mm. space and how do you replicate that and therefore that's the, the colors will kind of the, that mm. will dictate what colors you you kind of use and I, I think that's really relevant to residential and if you're designing your own space but when you're designing a commercial space mm, or you're designing something yeah. else you've got to look at the culture you've yeah. got to look at the different colors like, for example, we're talking about green. Green is the colour of money in the USA. Yeah. This, is, this is from Karen's book. It's also the colour of nature and symbolises the environment. In the East, green can symbolise fertility and new beginnings. It can also represent infidelity. Mm-hmm. In China, to wear a green hat is an expression that means your wife has been unfaithful to you. Yeah. In Britain, it's the colour of jealousy. Green-eyed jealousy was first used by Shakespeare in his play, The Merchant of Venice. And in Ireland, it's the colour of good luck. Green was the Prophet Muhammad's favourite colour and is the colour of paradise. In South America, though, green is the colour of death. So, like, like, quite... like, the contrast of that is huge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously from, you know, from her section of symbolism of colour across the world. And I think that goes back to what we were just saying about culture. You know, if you're... As a designer, if you, it's not just about looking at the colour wheel. As she, you know, as Karen was saying, it's not just about looking at the colour wheel and saying what colours go with what. It's about delving so much deeper. So whether mm. it be on a personal level with a client to try and understand what makes them feel calm and um, be able to reflect in a space if they want a space to feel calm, like a bedroom, for example. But if you're working on a commercial project, you know, whether you're working you know in the just in the UK or whether you're working internationally there's so much there's so many layers to it isn't Mm. there and I think when you're doing a commercial project for example you have to be what what is your target market Mm. like there'll be certain like for example I've got an inquiry at the moment which I think will will come in in the next few weeks for a Jewish restaurant so my research on that is going to be is there any colours that Jewish people 
associate with yeah and and so so researching into the mm. the color and, and and what you're doing is really really important i think also um it kind of goes without saying that there's potentially with a new any new commercial project in hospitality that there may be an element of branding that's already been done in which case there's there's probably a lot of information that's already and research mm-hmm. that's already been undertaken from a branding point of view from a branding exercise that then kind of filters through into mm. to design um it may be that that's not the case so you kind of got a bit of a task on your hands to start kind of unraveling and unpicking yeah. i think i think do you know what i mean i think we should do another an actual episode on brand because I'm I'm a massive geek on brand mm. and I think that because um, we do branding and interior design yeah. so what I um really love to do is to create everything as in synergy together yeah. but when someone's already got a brand like you say you, you can have a brand identity you've already got pantone colors possibly yeah. and yeah. then you have to tap into all of that yeah. um but also think about what the space is going to be used for you might you know not you know we're doing at the moment we're doing a restaurant with the, where the brand is orange and navy blue i'm not going to literally make the whole interior orange and navy blue i've got to kind of and it's almost like there needs to be an understanding of okay well why is the branding orange and blue is there is there some background behind that you know has thought been given to and maybe even you know maybe that that there hasn't been any consideration given to the psychology of color in terms Mm. of branding and ultimately branding does filter through into design and uh, because it's got to it's got to be cohesive hasn't it but Mm that's a challenge isn't it if potentially you've got a brand that's got you know that there is no kind of psychology of color behind the brand that already exists and that is already present and it's got has got some presence presence in the market you know you've got a Mm. brand that's already present in the market and that's got a following you are limited to to what you what you have and also i think that a lot of clients from my perspective I mean, I've I've been given a lot for for, for my, one of my projects recently. You know, they're going to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on their interior design, mm. on their interior fit out. <laughs> no, I'm not that expensive. <laughs> um, uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds <laughs> on their interior design. I'm very expensive. Um, but they they're going to spend all that money, but they haven't actually thought about the brand, mm. and they've just gone. Oh, I've got someone to design my logo, and it's and it's this, you know, mm. and 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 then you've got to kind of try and go, okay, but you're telling me that you want a green forest, but your brand is purple, yeah, or you know, what, yeah. you know and and uh, it's really difficult because if someone isn't invested in, if if they don't understand the psychology of color and yeah. they don't understand, they, they don't value the branding process, yeah. they might value the interior design process, yeah. but they are they do work together i mean when i um think about the conversation that we had with karen and what we learned from her i I mean i found it very very interesting because you know probably quite naively from a design point of view i you know you you look at a, a color swatch or a fan of colors and you you know as she said you kind of the first thing that you think about doing is getting out a colour swatch and saying, okay, well, what colours am I drawn towards? What colours do I like, do I not like? Never actually really thinking about why you like that colour, what it actually makes you, how it makes you feel when you look at it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think fundamentally, and that's why we wanted this to be the first episode, really, I think, is that it is such a core part of design. Mm. Um and I, whether it's interior designers as a profession or whether it's, you know, Joe Public, I think that a lot more consideration should be given to stopping before you even start, as Karen said, before you even start looking at colour, stopping, reflecting on the space, the the feelings, what you're trying to achieve. Behaviour. The beha- yeah, the behaviour of what you're doing in that space how you want it to feel, how you want it to look, natural day, like, you know, things like natural daylight and the the context and the constraints that you've got based around that that space, whether it's a bedroom, whether it's a restaurant, whatever it is. I mean, I'm sort of thinking about, like, when I design my bedroom, right? So I think about what kind of behaviour I want in my bedroom. (laughs) I'm not going to go too far into that one. (laughs) Um, But I really struggle to sleep, so... In my bedroom, I have to have blackout. So I've got blackout curtains, blackout blinds as well. Mm. Um, I painted my ceiling really dark. I've got like a really lovely sort of warm, grey, pinky, dark Mm -hmm. colour. 
and I've painted the ceiling and the walls the same colour. And I'm, I've got, and I'm not really a massive pink fan, but because I know that pink is kind of a quite a warm, it, it sort of makes me feel a little bit looked yeah. after. Yeah. Um, and and sort of dusky, dusty pink. Really love that. I really love that dusty pink at the moment. I'm kind of like, right. I'm going to put some pink in here. Yeah. And with sort of white bed sheets and sort of a bit of grey and it just looks wicked and and I go into my bedroom now and I'm like really happy it's like yeah. it's sort of like it's sort of like a little hug when yeah. I go in there and 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 I think for me that's that's in my house it's like where I've used color to 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 change the behavior cuz yeah. my bedroom was always really light yeah. and I I always struggle to sleep and I actually sleep better now and I feel more like I'm being prepared for sleep when I enter yeah. the bedroom. Probably because <laughs> like, I should be doing other things as well. <laughs> Probably though because you've considered the the what that space, what you want that space to actually do for you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think it's always a difficult one, isn't it? Because I've done things in the past, like at home, that I've got totally wrong. I think I mentioned to you when we you're spoke about my lounge and... Mm. Um, you know, and I decided to paint it. Um, I decided to paint it really dark. I'm, I'm a very dark person, anyway, um, as you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I thought about painting it black, but I was like, it's probably a bit extreme. Um, so I went for like, obviously, you know, very much on trend. This really, really dark blue. Um, all of the walls, all of the woodwork, like all of the woodwork is all the same color. The backs of doors, all of the window frames, picture rails, ceiling, everything. And it was really, I mean, I loved it. It was really cool. The fireplace, all of the fireplace I've painted in the same colour. Really, really cool. Um, but, and it feels like this cocoon. It's like very, very cosy. And that's great. And I live in an old Victorian house. And it's great in the winter. But I don't use that room. And I don't use it because I'm really... You use I it felt, in the winter? I, I don't use it anywhere near as much as I should. And it's because whilst I wanted it to feel like a cocoon that's not the right that's not the right room for it because all all of a sudden i found myself feeling quite oppressed by it i would go in and it was really oppressive and even though i have all you know my entire wardrobe as you know hayley is black so you know i'm not fearful of dark color i don't wear any other color other than black or khaki green but i like it was really oppressive and i thought shit i've totally fuck this right up fuck this right up <laughs> So I painted the ceiling out in white again just to try and lift it. And it's still, it's better, but it's still not right. And I hadn't considered that actually, yeah, I thought I wanted that room to be quite cocoony and, and, and snug, but that works really well in certain seasons. Autumn and winter, it's great. So I put the lights on and it's got a real, amb like real ambience in there. But I don't use the space. I don't use it because I, I find it too much. So, I, I, you know, that's another fucking job to add to the list, <laughs> to change it. Um, and natural daylight. I don't get natural much natural daylight in there um, because it's not, you know, it's not south-facing. And, and again, that, you know, stupidly, I kind of just went gung-ho, you know, hell for leather. Oh, that's a great idea and did it. And I guess it's you know it's not a bad thing because you learn from these mistakes, don't you? Mm. As a as a designer, um, whether you're doing well, hopefully you it's know. great to experiment in your house and then you <laughs> yeah, don't screw don't, it up don't for fuck a client. <laughs> but but the the um, they they had a Google there was a, there was a Google meeting room and I don't know if, how factual this is, so don't quote me on it. But I heard that they were they because the color blue is supposed to be productive. Mm -hmm. Google painted all of their meeting rooms really like a really not a bright blue but like a royal blue mm. and they had blue lighting and they went a bit mad with the blue mm -hmm. from an interior design perspective and they actually people actually stopped using it because yeah. it was so oppressive yeah. um, so it, there's there's like a, a lot there's a balance isn't there so Do you know I mean, that's a really interesting point though just really quickly on that the, the you know the added complexity of of design from a you know when you're designing in residential you're designing for a family or a couple or an individual you're you're thinking about two three four people you've got to think about four people's um f you know thoughts feelings how spaces make them feel when you start talking about a commercial project whether it be restaurant whether it be office space working environments all of a sudden the task as a designer 
to try and understand and tick all of the boxes for you know a team of 15 20 50 100 people that is a big task to have to be able to to be able to deliver for every single person you're never going to please everyone. You're never going to please everyone. That's that's you know. It's but then that's why you have different venues. That's why you have different types of offices, and because you attract yeah. a certain type of person. So yeah. you, it's really important to get under the skin of who is going to be using that yeah. space yeah. and what they're going to be doing in there. And 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 like so, for example, okay, so let's have a look at blue. So Karen's book says in Japan, blue means fidelity. It's also one of the colours for good luck. In the West, blue is associated with sadness and feeling low, hence the phrase feeling feeling blue. But blue is the colour of Krishna in Hinduism and represents love and divine joy. So there's nothing in there about productivity. Mm. Um, So I don't know where that's come from. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I, I always thought that blue was quite a productive colour, but obviously... Karen has uh, very rightly so corrected me <laughs> on googling on googling the psychology of color um but yeah no it's it's just it's just really fascinating and it, it is very it's so very subjective and also um you know just going through Karen's book here there is so much more to it than just specific color mm. when you're talking about blues greens yellows reds we're not there are within that color group there are so many intensities and tonal levels. So just picking up on the what we were talking about, blue. So I'm just reading on page one of um, one of the pages in Karen's books. You know, she, um, you know, the effects of blue on your mind depends on the intensity of the tone. Light blue is soothing, which makes it a great color for sleeping and dreaming. The darker, the more mentally stimulating you'll find it. So it might help you to focus, boost your concentration. Um, it, regardless of its intensity, blue will always evoke a mental uh, mental reaction. Whereas turquoise is uplifting and rejuvenating. Like there's so many levels to it. Do you know what I mean? Like it mm. isn't just about a color, about picking a color. It's the color, how that how that makes you, how that reacts, how you react to that, and then you have to start thinking about the the intensity of that color and the hue of that color. It is massive. It, I mean, the, it's so interesting. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, th- and things like trends, like we we're, we're, we're talking about sort of, you know, Karen is really kind of like, well, why why are people using colour of the year, like, when they don't like it? And actually, you've got your colour of the year, and it is a trend. Mm. And, you know, from a design perspective, if you're designing something that's supposed to be on trend, and so like, if you're designing a bar that people want to go to and it's got to be on trend and that's one of your briefs from the client you should be using Mm. some colors that are on trend Mm. so looking at the color of the year would be a natural like draw for that but if I'm designing something and I don't like it it doesn't work like I can't make it work so I think having it's just it's just it's really it's so interesting and it's so deep like and, and and like and Karen rightly says you know it's like going down a rabbit hole so episode one, our first guest for the first ever podcast is Karen Haller. Karen works with businesses and design professionals to use colour and design to improve well-being, support mental health and create positive change in the world. Karen is the author of The Little Book of Colour, How to Use the Psychology of Colour to Transform Your Life. And we are really excited to bring Karen into the podcast yeah I'm really looking forward to this I'm really looking forward to hearing what her thoughts are because there's a lot of information in this book not just in terms of colour from a design perspective but you know um, colour symbolism of the world like colour in relationships colour colour in your personality I mean there's loads in here it's very it's it's a cute little book and yeah I'm excited let's go let's do this piece of advice that you can give to interior designers about color i think that is is that the world of color does not start and stop at the color wheel it seems to be in um and even when i studied interior design um all we got was i think half a day on the color wheel Mm. and 
I can understand that a lot of teachers, when they have so much to teach in the curriculum, and when you open up colour, it is a Pandora's box, right? So what do you teach that's very condensed, very contained, and there's a kind of a start and a finish to it? And so the colour wheel is something that's very, very contained and very small, and you can you can teach the colour wheel in 10 minutes, actually. Once you start going down the colour rabbit hole, Oh, it is a rabbit hole, hole, and it's a wonderful rabbit hole that you can just dive and dive and dive. And if you want to make colour your specialty in your business, step, step, you know, step away from the colour wheel and see what else is out there. And you will just, it it will be a lifetime of learning. So even though this this is my, you know, colour psychology is my area of specialty, I will never, ever stop learning because it's to do with humans and behaviour and how we react, how we respond, what's going on in society, that is always shifting and always changing. So our relationship to colour is shifting and changing and the colours that we need and what that means and our response to colour. And I am, I'm learning all the time. So um, if you really love colour, then let's say put the colour wheel just to one side and just dive in and the most like exciting amazing world will will open up to you I guess though it's um it's like anything isn't it that there's ultimately there's a fun like you know the color wheel is kind of classed as this fundamental you know it's the kind of starting point it's it's like kind of the building blocks almost of of Mm -hmm. design in terms of color it's how far you then want to and you know if you whether you're a um, an interior designer you know by profession or whether you're just interested in you know, doing a project at home, and we've spoken about this before. It's kind of how far you want to, kind of take it, and mm-hmm. and 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 how far you want to push yourself. You know, in terms of professionally, mm. I think, you know, really, really good designers should be able to, you know, understand the fundament fundamentals, but ultimately yeah. be able to push even harder than mm-hmm. that. And, and we've spoken about this about thinking outside the box and pushing yeah. it as far as you possibly can. Mm. I did just, Curran, want to ask you, you mentioned earlier about the fact that you wrote the book because you wanted to get the world to fall in love with colour again. Why, can I ask, in your opinion, what do you Mm. think, why do you think we found ourselves in a position where people weren't, were scared of colour or were, everything was very, very bland? Like, why do you think, why do you think we got to that point? And we're still there now a little bit, I think, you know, I almost feel, I actually feel like there's the part of, you know, people maybe, people want to be accepted. So, you know, it's kind of this, you know, not keeping up with the Joneses, but that whole concept of, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'll, I'll do what Eber's done or I'll do what they've done over there. And, you know, without being maybe as original as they could be. And, mm-hmm. and I think it takes courage to really push yourself to the, you know, to the limits and, and push your boundaries in yeah. terms of colour. But yeah. yeah, that was my my thought earlier was, why do you think that we found ourselves in a position where yeah um, people were scared yeah with us as human beings and this still comes back from our caveman times if you think back then and put yourself in that position (laughs) we we lived in clans we lived in groups and if you did something in that group and the group didn't agree you were pushed out of the group now, back then, that meant that would have meant that you couldn't survive because mm-hmm. it would have been death because you would have been on your own. So this, the need to belong and the need to be a part of a group and part of a community and not be ostracised and not be cast out, we still have that in us. Some of our biggest, biggest fears are being judged, not being accepted, not not belonging and and not being accepted by our our. our peers our friends our family our social group our community etc there are people that don't care about that and we're at a point now that we can survive on our own you know and we aren't we aren't um we aren't meant to be alone we are we are meant to be in communities we are meant to you know when we're not we're not hermits we're not we're not you know everyone wanting to be isolated but the biggest thing is that we want to belong, we want to feel accepted and we want to ultimately be loved. That's the ultimate thing for human beings because the two polar opposites is fear or love, right? And everything else is in between those two things. So if we want to be accepted, 
we look to see what our community is doing or what our friends doing therefore the keeping up with the joneses therefore yeah. going to the dinner party and yeah. saying oh i've got you know elephant's breath on my wall oh yes so do i do you know what i mean because yeah. they that that was the dinner party conversation at yeah. that time so people were thinking oh i'm feeling accepted because i've got this color or i've got this design style in my home like other people that I admire or other people that I want acceptance from. And therefore, we are getting our needs met from outside, external to us. This is also what trends do. Mm. Trends, if you follow a trend, you are accepted and you belong to a, to a group of people that you don't even know. Like when people queue up at 2 o'clock in the morning to get their latest iPhone, they, they believe and feel that they are a part of a community of millions of other people that they don't even know, mm. but that's enough for them to feel like they belong. Quite often we'll do everything that we think everyone else will agree with in order to be liked, in order to be judged, which is um, something that happens from childhood, you know, until the day we die, that can happen. I would just like to hear an example of a challenging situation that you've been in, whether it be with a designer or whether it be with an end user, with a client, you know, that you're working with directly, just to try and get a better understanding of, you know, in layman's terms, as yes. I had a client and this was, you know, this was the initial briefing meeting that we had. They didn't know what they wanted to do. This is, I followed this process and we came to the conclusion that this is what we were going to do. Yeah, so what I will share and something that um, that helped me build, put my whole process together and my whole framework, when I first started, um, I would sit down with the clients and start asking them, you know, what, you know, after the whole rapport building and all the, you know, sort of that, that initial side, when I started, I talked about colour very early on and I would show them you know, ask them what colours they like, what colours they don't like. I would show them fan decks of colour, thinking, great, because then I can whittle it down and I can start getting an idea of the colour palette. And I realised that was the biggest mistake. Um, and it took me a few times to realise it was that was the biggest, biggest mistake to make. As soon as I started showing them colours, because they were becoming so emotionally connected, because we, when we see colour, we all, we're always already having an emotional experience that's like when you know we go into any shop any restaurant going into anyone's home that's why people straight away are emotionally connecting and I couldn't and they they went down this rabbit hole of oh I like this color I don't like this color oh, this color reminds me of this and I couldn't get them I couldn't get them back up to, yeah. to do the rest of the 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 consultation I, they, they were stuck in this. This is why I now don't talk about colour when I am speaking to them and why I ask them lots of questions that inform me about colour and inform me actually about them and their personality. Karen, what is your favourite colour and why? Inside the book, you will see that there is an orange, oh, right? And that's a marigold orange mm. of a marigold flower. And I've actually got marigold flowers in the garden. I thought I must pick one to show. Oh. Um, that is my favourite. Marigold orange is my favourite colour. So quite often when people say, oh, what's my favourite colour? And they, you know, and the, someone might say pink or green or blue, really go down to the specific colour because it's not just any orange. It is absolutely that marigold orange. In colour psychology terms, the positive is all about fun and playfulness and it's that childlike mischievous. Now, every colour has a positive and adverse and a lot of people see orange as being very flippant and very childish and uh, not to be taken seriously. And so sometimes when people get very annoyed with the color orange or, or the color orange being around that sometimes that they they won't take it seriously so they might not take a brand seriously or you know they might say i have an orange personality 
and they might just think, well, you're just too silly and not grown up and you're really childish. And I'm just like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm when I do business, yeah, when I do business, I'm I keep that, I keep, I keep her in a box, right? She's <laughs> she's in a box. But the but but as soon as I'm allowed, I can bring her out, she's out. Um, <laughs> but I'm not like that when I work with corporates, when I work with brands, when I work with you know, clients, um, you know, if I work with kids, I would, because it would be appropriate, but that color comes out. And it also reminds me not to take things too seriously, <laughs> you know, orange flowers or something, it's very small orange in the house. Like I don't have a lots of around me. That just reminds me just to lighten up and to bring more fun in and not, not to take things too seriously. Yeah. So that's what might, that color means to me. So, so going back to what we can teach designers, what what do you think the biggest faux pas designers make regarding colour? Um, I think I think this is a subconscious thing. Was that we can put our own preferences and meaning into what our client is saying. So, for instance, if our client is saying, "Oh, I'd like a living room that was really relaxed and calming," if we don't find out and really dig into but if we don't you know explore under that and okay well what does calming mean to you what does calming look like how would I know that if I did and this is the question one of the questions I do ask for this room to be calming for you what would it need to look like for it to be calm for you yeah. because calming for you is likely to be different calming for me Maybe. but if I hear you might have your own version of calming and your own version of what relax means. And your client has just said those two words and you go, yeah, got it. I know what it means. You might not realize that you've actually put your own version of that onto it because some people's idea of calming is your idea of stimulating and your idea of probably noisy, but some people can live in spaces because of their personality. It can be still quite lively and vivid, but for them it's calming but for me, I'd be exhausted in it. But then it's not a, it's not, it's not for me to go, this isn't a calming space. It is, if you think, if this is calming for you, then we will design around this. You mentioned earlier when you were explaining the book, Karen, that, that this book naturally evolved into a, a kind of a bit of a Bible for designers. You actually wanted this to be accessible to everyone, didn't you? You wanted it yeah. to be just a, you know, a book that was, that, yep. that should read it to, to understand colour. It's great if you have got, a if you can get an interior designer on board, but if you obviously just at home and you've got a, a new project, a new scheme, you know, you're redecorating the lounge or the kitchen or whatever, whatever. if people are not in a position to, in, in, uh, to instruct an interior designer to assist mm -hmm. with choosing and, and advising on colour, whether that be a designer or, or, your, or yourself, what advice would you give to the general public Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people struggle with this if they can't if they cannot take on the professional services of an interior designer I get it a lot with friends that will message me and say help <laughs> yeah, and do. there'll be colour swatches on yeah. the wall of them saying we don't know what colour what colour what colour should we go for and I'll go around and I'll have a chat with them and obviously the beauty of that is that I know them so I, I know who they are I know a bit about their personality mm. I feel like it's almost a case of do you, is it about trying to understand a, a client's personality to be able to understand what feels calming what feels exciting what feels stimulating which you can then directly reflect into color psychology potentially how does somebody when they're doing it on their own get to that point where they fully understand what makes them tick what what is it that gets them excited or gets them or, or, or you know allows them to feel relaxed so this is personal development this is what we do for the rest of our lives is exploring discovering who we are this is exactly why this book this I was going to say read the book because this that, that is amazing. the book is exactly what you said this so I, when I when I was writing this book and the whole time I'm writing it, I'm just thinking it's got to be more than colour. This book just can't be about colour. And I was three quarters of the way through and I went, oh, my God, this isn't a book about colour at all. This is a book about self-expression. Mm. Colour is just the vehicle. So at the very beginning, when you read the introduction, you will see, and there's, there's one paragraph in there that still 
makes me tear up because it is it is all about who we are as people when we can connect to ourselves and we get clearer and we all the the stuff all the negative self-belief talk all the stuff that we have going on in our head all this negative talk as we clear all of that we get clearer and clearer to who we are and then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because we we are using color as a as a way of expressing who we are from the inside out and that's what and color is just a vehicle for that there's many other you know when i say a vehicle people do that expression through music they do it through food they do it through sport you know i mean there's 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 a number of universal languages that you don't need to say a word you know you don't need to speak and color is one of those universal languages that doesn't matter where you are in the world it is it is something that we connect to that's what i would say to you is to read because when you read the book you'll go now i get what she's saying there's little frameworks in here there's little exercises there's you know little processes and this is this that that's exactly why this book was written mm -hmm. is to get people to start to discover who they are to to and the amount of emails that every single day on instagram i get a private message of people saying my god your book has absolutely changed my life and i say well that's great but it's you it's you that that's changed, changed you know it's yeah. you it's, yeah. it's, i've had people read this and just go well i thought it'd be more on interior design oh i oh it's doesn't really tell me anything but they but they're people who who misunderstood what the book is about yeah and that's fine and then other people just go gosh this is life changing i am now i am i now have more confidence to be who i am and i don't care what other people think i'm now going to decorate my home and and i don't mind what other people think anymore and to me like i just write and just go oh my god you have made my week right because this is what i want to hear yeah this is oh and it makes me tear up oh. when people really really connect back to themselves yeah. oh i need a i need a tissue <laughs> oh bless you oh, I, I have one handy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but that's what it's about because that's what color is color is a form of self-expression and so we're either using it so in the book i talk about darwin's theory and just like nature we're either using it to um attract we're using it to hide or to camouflage we're using it as a warning sign um and that's exactly why we use color we're using colors for those you know and to attract is to be liked um and that's that's how the animals use it in the animal kingdom and we and we are just the same we are just the same. I mean, I, in, that, in this moment i'm sat here thinking well i've clearly got a lot to learn because i my entire wardrobe is black <laughs> am i attracting am i and actually interestingly there's a little part in the book that um hayley pointed out to me earlier about using color in um is it was it fat not fashion was it fashion oh i like how to draw what to, dress, what to wear yeah. yeah dressing for color mm. so I when to, you go I, to your clients admit, i stopped reading at that point because i was really interested in the other bits because it's all interior design but i really need to read that yeah so <laughs> when you go to your client and you're having a client meeting you can wear colors to not only support how you want to feel, but also how you want to interact with your clients. Because you might want to come across as authoritative or you might want to come as very approachable. Or if you're designing for children's room, you want to come across as really playful so the children open up to you. You wouldn't. Yeah, I'm, really, I'm a one trick pony. I just go dressed as Morticia Adam <laughs> every single day. Oh, yeah. no, I'm so <laughs> obsessive about what I wear when I go to appointments. I know you are. Because I, I, yeah. I just, I, I wear navy a lot. So I, I when, when I'm going to a client meeting, I'm always kind of like, well, all right, who are they? What are they doing? What am I going to wear? And I, I dress to the, mm. um, to the client and I constantly wear navy because yeah. I, and blue and things like that. Because I know that's quite, well, I, I, I Googled. Uh -oh. <laughs> <Yeah>, blue. <laughs> is a good colour to wear when you meet a client, but that moves us very nicely onto the Google question because when I first started speaking to you, Karen, you said to me, how do you find out about the psychology of colour? And I said, I just Google it. <laughs> and I got a bit of a telling a off. telling off. 
No, you didn't. I just went, oh, no, no, no. Right, exactly. right. No, 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 so. No, no, no. no now, I, now I've read all this. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, there yeah. Is, it's just the same as, but it's like, I know people who are doctors and they go, you know, I get I get clients my or patients coming in all the time going, well, I've got this problem with my knee. So I Googled it and it said I've got this, this and this. And, the, you know, the doctor says, well, look, let, let, me, let me have a look at it. You know, like, why, why don't I, why don't I have a look? And people are self-diagnosing themselves. <laughs> now, the thing with colour psychology, you and everyone can do this. Google colour psychology infographics. You will see a thousand infogra infographics come up. I actually take those infographics and put them into my course and get my students to dissect them. Everything is called color psychology. So when you look at those, I look, I can see, I can see some color, color psychology. I see color and culture. I see personal color association. I see Vasnu. I see feng shui. I see chakras, all different modalities, all under the umbrella color psychology. So no wonder when you look at that and you think, oh, well, if it says it, it must be. It's not. Everybody just lumps everything. People lump colour healing, like colour therapy, all under colour psychology. It's not. It's They're very, very different things. So I get journalists call me up a lot and they go, oh, we want to talk about colour therapy. And I say, oh, I'll just have to let you know I don't do colour therapy. This What I do is, and I explain, they go, oh, no, that's what we want. But everyone... Or I get called a colour therapist. I get called a colour healer. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't. You know, colour color psychology does not heal, right? It's not, you know, what can heal is chromotherapy, which is coloured lights. And if you're, you've got, you know, even you've probably had a sporting injury and you've had infrared on your muscles, you know, different coloured lights have been said to have different effects and heal. But that is by someone who actually is trained in color therapy um so that is something very different again but everything gets lumped under and that's why i just went oh no 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 don't go don't go on to google don't so that's why so no it wasn't a telling off it was just a, 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 word, of, a word of caution it's judgment what is it that i like what, what what do i love what makes me feel good what, what are my happy colors what are colors that make me feel restful think of all the different moods different feelings different behaviors you know, relaxed, calm, lively, excited, optimistic, happy, all these different whole range of emotions, like positive emotions. You know, you might need more energy or you might need to be more, feel you need a bit more motivation. Think about all those colours that will give that to you. And sure, in my book, I have lots of tables that say what that is in colour psychology. Sometimes when we have our own associations to colour, um, that are personal to us, um, they might transcend what that colour means psychologically. What I mean by that is you might absolutely love colour, the tur turquoise because it reminds you of swimming uh, in, in, you know, in the ocean or going to the Caribbean or, and it might give you those beautiful, wonderful memories. And that becomes a conscious, that's, that's very conscious for you. That's what I mean by it's, it's transcends psychology because you have that conscious association then in the book with the color psychology you'd be able to see that okay I love that and it reminds me of the of the of my holidays what I wouldn't do is put it in my bedroom because it's a blue that actually wakes up the body and wakes up the mind so it wouldn't be conducive for sleeping but I could put it into the bathroom because in the morning I need some help to wake up if I've got blue light or I've got some you know, blue turquoise towels, or I've got something that is blue, like a, a turquoise blue in there, it helps me to feel more refreshed and more alive. That might actually give me a boost in the morning. I love that. You can do it. Yeah, you can. You can do. You can do things like that. Yeah, I think that's really, really good advice for people that because I genuinely think you know that people that are redecorating or have got a new project that they're they're looking at doing at home don't give that level of thought to these mm. these things they look at a color swatch a color chart from you know they go to the DIY store they pick up all these swatches and they think about what they like but they don't actually investigate what is it about that that you do like what is it that you like about that how does it make mm. you feel what do 
Yeah. And how can I, yeah, how can I utilize that in the right setting? And, yeah. and as you say, actually, that is, it just takes maybe a little bit of time for people to not focus so much on having a, a an array of color in front of you, but yeah. picking out a select few that, that do make you feel good. And then starting maybe to just analyze that a little bit. What yeah. is it about that color that I like? Yeah, and why then what I room would I put it in? Look good. What? Why yeah. do I think? Why do I think I like it? What it? Yeah. How does it make me feel? Mm. And then, okay, is that the right color for the bedroom? Because 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 it could be too stimulating, for instance. Exactly. Or, exactly. Yeah. So the you other way to start it. is also think about what behavior you want in space. So I always start my consultations then at like at the end. So then I come forward. So how do you want to feel in that space how how do you want to behave in that space now a lot of people really find that question quite daunting because it's like what do you mean by behave and I say what would you be doing in that space to know that you're feeling if you want to feel calm in this space what would you be doing to know that you were that you were feeling calm and then from what those behaviors are which is this is you know you can find this all in the book then what the behaviors are if then you can then work backwards and go okay it's these colors but it's this color palette it's this you know seasonal personality because this is my personality it's this saturation of color because very soft pink is actually a light red which is physically soothing and a stimulating pink is red which is a very different energy to a soft pink you know, or a light blue is a very different energy to a turquoise to a dark blue it's not just oh I want blue in the space because I want to feel you know my my mind. You want to be mentally soothed or mentally mentally stimulated. You know, so it's there are a number of steps to go through. If you can always think about how is it that I want to feel in the space and what would it look like? What would I be doing? Because everyone would be relaxing different. Everyone does, you know, dinner parties different. Everyone does. Um, you know, how they host, how they, you know, in the bedroom. Some people want very stimulating bedrooms. Other ones want very soothing bedrooms. Other people need very soothing workspace. Other people need it really lively to stimulate them and to get them going. You know, if you're in sales, you do not, you do not want a, a calm um, for space at home. You know, you need a really dynamic one because you have to be on the ball and dynamic and in fact, you might not even have a chair. You'd probably be standing doing all your calls. I was going to say that. Yeah. I'd, I'd st- if I'm sort of yeah. in sales mode, for yeah, you stand, line, I always stand you up. Can, yeah, you can hear it. You can hear the mm-hmm. difference. So but there are a lot of things, but it's it's not impossible at all. And it's just about having the confidence, you know, experiment, give it a go, have fun, get curious, you know, don't, don't, don't get scared, don't get worried. That's the biggest thing that we then do is like oh my god I can't do this oh, I'm scared what has everyone else got that's how quick it can descend yeah, we revert back so quickly so so quickly tough, it's like well the easy option is to just do what everyone else does yeah and do you know what everyone else is doing what everyone else has done Karen thank you so much you're more than um, welcome it's been a really really fascinating conversation yeah, and really I've learned from you and hopefully still continue to learn from you how can we get in touch and how can we follow you and can you yeah, thank you about? thank you so I do have for interior designers I do have a free ebook on my arenhuller.com website in the top right hand corner it says free ebook and that is uh the 10 myths that limit you using color successfully um it's a free book for designers and then for the Everyday Colour Lover, designers as well if they like, over on the littlebookofcolour.com, the first chapter of my book is there for free as well. They can download the first chapter and read that. And if it sounds the way that they want to use colour and it sounds like them, then um, there's, they can also buy the book. Um, and then on social media, I always know that's all I talk about is color <laughs> so um I'll put, on, I'll put your your link on the show notes as well right so. right yeah so color. on yeah on uh Instagram it's Karen underscore Huller underscore color right oh so, yeah. it's been honestly it's been incredible talking to you it really really has Thank it's you been so wonderful much. I love I love this conversation it's been really 
it's raw and natural and open and honest and yeah. I'm gonna go and spend some money on some clothes and change my wardrobe because I'm genuinely sat here thinking my house is a really good reflection of my my authentic self but I've got so stuck in a rut so the next time you see me on the next podcast I'll have I'll have all sorts of colours going on and and maybe you'll watch it Karen and go God, she's changed. <laughs> she listened to me. You've changed. <laughs> I wore black. I used to wear a lot of black when I was in um in corporate, and and I know now I wore it to protect myself because I was like a manager of thirty web developers, and to be taken seriously, I thought I had to wear black. I had to then work out colors. Like when I when I left IT and realized that's what I was doing, working out what colors can I wear, still give me that authority or still um, make me feel very grounded and very centered but without pushing people away or isolating or coming across as um like I came across as very very stern and my nickname used to be ice maiden at work how do I how do I do that remove it straight away would have been too much for me so I actually had to wean myself off um very very gently because I had to find something that would be would be the, the supporting equivalent of that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like my mind's blown. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, more than, more than welcome. More than welcome. So that was Car and Huller. Um, who wrote a book about the Little Book of Colour, if you hadn't got that already. <laughs> um, Very and, interesting. Oh, man. So interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. It's like opening Pandora's box, it is. isn't it? Yeah. There are so many other subjects around that yeah. that we can touch on in, the, yeah. in this podcast. And It'd be cool to know if any of the listeners have got any area that they of around psychology of colour that they would like to kind of learn a bit more about or for us to kind of talk a bit more about yeah, dive um, deeper into yeah, it definitely yeah yeah if anyone's got any ideas on that on that front about what you would like to hear from us well, what would you like right. to learn please please get in touch yeah. um we are on socials i've got all the um we're on instagram and we're also on facebook um and we've got a section of the harp design website which has a podcast area as well um, but if you've got any comments or any ideas that you want to share with us, um, we'd love to hear from you. Any feedback, if you don't like our smuttiness, <laughs> do we ramp it up? Do we ramp it down? <laughs> There's lots more to come. Um, so, yeah, thank Thanks. you very much for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you can like and subscribe and listen to the next ones coming up. We've got some interesting episodes coming up about cradle to cradle sustainability and fabrics yeah. and so lots of interesting lots of content stuff. coming up so keep subscribing and keep listening see you soon thank you very much